0: Hi, Dr. Jones. This is Utkarsh from Network Capital. It's such a pleasure to have you with us on our podcast. Through this, we try and uh, deconstruct mental models and figure out why people do what they do. So could you tell us a bit about uh, who you are and uh, what you're doing right now?
1: Sure. It's a pleasure to join you here. Uh, so I'm Ben Jones. I'm a professor at the Kellogg School of Management in Chicago in the USA. I'm an economist by training. And a lot of what I study is about scientific progress, entrepreneurship, and scientific and entrepreneurial careers. And how do you get interested in this space? Um... So, as, a, as an economist, we think that growth in advanced economies really depends on the progress in technology and science. Uh, and so, it's a natural inroads for an. E- economists to become very interested in the in the process by which individuals and organizations can push the frontier. Uh, recently, you came out with a
0: fascinating research paper that uh, spoke about the importance of early failure in life towards predicting long-term success. So could you talk us through how you got interested in this particular field and uh what were some high-level findings? Uh, because network capital is essentially a career content community. So um, they'll be very interested to learn more about this particular piece of work that you
1: did. Great. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very interested in, in all features of scientific careers, uh, you know, where where people come from, what motivates them, when in life they tend to make breakthroughs, these kinds of questions. Uh, and in this particular paper, I think, you know, we're reflecting on on one thing, which is that people put an enormous amount of effort and investment into becoming, you know, engineers and scientists. There's a huge upfront investment in their education and human capital. And so we're interested to see you know, the extent to which people who have made those investments stick with the field or whether they, they will, you know, flee the field or drop out, uh, depending on how their early career uh, takes shape. And then I think secondarily, you know, we're all, everyone fails. I fail, everybody fails. And we're kind of interested in, in how people react to failure and, and what it tells us about them uh, uh, and, and what, you know, what, what they learn from it.
0: So one big insight uh, that is applicable to, I think, so many young professionals and students around the world is that they don't necessarily need to be disheartened if they are failing early on in life. So in a way, your research is... Uh, offering a different perspective. So what did your findings suggest? And how, to, how should young professionals who have uh, not achieved or met the goals that uh, they had set out should, uh, should, should respond?
1: Well, yeah, our, our work suggests a really optimistic picture in that sense. Um, so we know, and we've known for a long time, that you know, success leads to future success. You know, If you have a successful new venture as an entrepreneur, people are more likely to give you money the next time around. If you get a big grant or write some great papers as a scientist, you tend to get more resources and and, and more success that comes with those resources. But here we're studying people who fail to get the resources, right? So we're, in this paper, we look at young uh, biomedical scientists who are applying for a very large grant, an extremely prestigious grant from the National Institutes of Health in, in the United States. Think of a million-dollar grant, uh, and we're looking at those people who applied and just missed. They, they, they were, their applications were scored and they just fell short of the funding threshold. And then we compare them with the people who just won, these kind of narrow winners who just got over that, that threshold score and were given a million dollars. And the finding is basically that the people who actually missed, who just missed, conditional on staying in the game and on continuing uh, with their career They actually outperform in the long run those people who actually got the million dollars.
0: That is indeed an optimistic finding.
1: It is. And I I think the message for those, there's messages on both sides here, but the message for those who kind of fall short is that if you can stick with it and take lessons from that, you actually might be the big winner in the end. Um, Why do you think
0: that happens?
1: Well, we 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 don't know exactly, but we were able to look at a bunch of features and and learn some important, uh, important uh, 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 features in the in what's going on. So the so one basic question is whether it's a survival of the fittest kind of phenomenon. Right. So one thing we do find is that if you do have that failure that you just fell short, you are much more likely to give up. So a lot of those people will not reappear. They will not come back and apply for future grants. They won't be seen publishing papers in the future. And so we wondered if that means that those who lost initially, who failed, but actually continued were somehow special. They were they were always better. And we the, the failure t- essentially weeded out some of the weaker, uh, weaker scientists. But if you look at it and you make some adjustments, you find that that really can't explain the story. Yes, some people do drop out but not enough uh, to explain this big performance boost uh, that we see. So we thought that might be an explanation, but it turned out not to be. And I think that leaves us with the idea that people are improving uh, personally. They are better as individuals for having failed. And we then look at a whole bunch of different features that we can test with observable data, and none of them particularly tell you much. It doesn't seem like any of them, we look at 10 different factors, can can tell you exactly why they're getting better. And so I think we're kind of left with more psychological explanations that are harder to observe, which are things like, you know, you, learn, you know, to be gritty. You learn to persevere. You learn to try harder. You learn to put in more effort uh, going forward. While we can't prove that's what happens, that seems very consistent with the pattern of findings that we see.
0: And there is some, uh, some literature, some research done at Penn and other universities about grit and resilience. Um, I, I think your research uh, also reinforces some of their findings, that grit is uh, an important predictor towards long term success. I mean, although you can't say for sure with it's grit that's making them successful, but it is one possible explanation. At least that's what I took away.
1: Yes, no, I think it's very much on the table and perhaps a leading hypothesis. And you're right that, uh, you know, I I think, you know, in entrepreneurship circles, people talk a lot about the ability to be gritty and to persevere for any entrepreneur, no matter how well it goes in the end. Not every day is a great day, right? You're always going to face pretty difficult challenges. And I think it's also a big idea now in the in the education uh, community about teaching young people perseverance, this sort of so-called growth mindset and challenging challenging children to uh to struggle and then also to overcome those struggles and how important a life skill uh, that could be and i think our research is certainly very consistent with those those perspectives and uh, those other fields
0: yeah so when i wrote the article based on the research that you and your co-author had conducted um i looked at the venture capital industry so typically they chase uh you know, people with very strong track records, people who had had successful exits, have strong uh, brand names on their CVs and so forth. Um, perhaps uh, your finding has some, uh, some indirect if- references for-, for employers, venture capitalists, so on and so forth. How do you think uh, the modern workplace should make place uh, for people who have just missed out or have failed uh, initially but are still trying?
1: Well, it's really quite interesting, and and of course we have to be a bit careful because our study is in a is in a, an important setting, but it's only one setting of these biomedical scientists. But if I were to right. speculate on whether it generalizes, I mean, it does have the following implication. So imagine you're a venture capitalist, and you have two people come to see you looking for money, and all you yeah. know about them is that one of them had you know had a, had just had an earlier success, and the other one had you know just failed. You know. It, Done well, but had not succeeded. And that's all you know about them. Our research suggests that actually your better bet is the person who failed. That they, the fact that they're still coming to you and looking for money, showing that perseverance, that willingness to stay in the game, they may actually be the one who is, who is going to outperform because they, in fact, you know, have become better.
0: Yeah. And this is, uh, this is something that many modern workplaces uh, tend to miss out. Because their current talent pool is uh, focused on picking the "quote unquote" winners—people who've, you know, who have impeccable records—and in this process, uh, like one might uh, feel that they're missing out on talent that will actually make the organization successful in the long term. Um, so, I think your lesson, uh, your uh, your research, has lessons for both um, high performers—people who have just messed out, uh, missed out. And more importantly, also for uh, people on the other side—the employers, the venture capitals, the institutions that seek such talent. Um, so, are you like uh, is, is are you working on something that has uh, um, that has some suggestions for them, or what is the next step towards your research? And uh, what were some of the uh, some of the other non-obvious findings that emerge from conducting this work?
1: Well, I I think. Um... the the sort of priority in terms of the research would be to see how much this extends in other, in other settings. Uh, And, you know, one can imagine doing this um, in many settings where data is available, including, you know, sports, where we have clear matches where people just fall short of say being on the podium and in a big international event, they become come in fourth instead of third Uh, these kinds of things and look at, look at how uh, ensuing performance uh, evolves. Um, The, you know, the, the, the question of how the organization, how, how not the individual responds, but how organizations respond to this, I think, is, all, is also first order. I think you're right that we tend to, you know, we look for the, the winners. We look for the successful people and who we hire. And our results suggest, and in fact, you know, I myself and my own hiring practices with research assistants now find myself quite interested in hearing about a failure uh, and, and hearing about how that individual Responded to that failure and and why they kept going and what they took from it. I think that becomes a very interesting and important dimension uh, to explore, and not just to have resumes or conversations that are just long litanies of of success. You know, at the same time, though, we have to be a little careful because when you think about our study, in order to get at, if you will, the causative role of failure, we had to look at two groups who are really similar except for the failure, right? So, so, so one of them, one group, just got over that funding threshold. And one group just fell below that uh, funding threshold. So the failures we're looking at are not people who kind of missed by a mile, right? And and the winners are not people who win all the time necessarily. So I still think that you know in an organization you're obviously going to be attracted to people who you know have a, who just do very well continually and are just great successes. And you're probably not as attracted to people who are you know serial failures who keep failing all the time and seem to miss by a long way. I think what this is telling you is that people who have had a failure, but keep coming back for more, and the failure wasn't extreme, are really telling you something about about their their ultimate potential. Understood. So, uh, of
0: course, apart from like, keep hustling, keep trying, are there any other traits that differentiate uh, people who actually just missed out, but ended up achieving more in the long term versus people who uh, didn't immediately drop out of out of failure, but sort of prodded along, but didn't uh, didn't make it through. Any other factors that differentiate uh, such people?
1: Well, we we see that you know one feature we see in their research, and this may be somewhat narrow to our to our setting, is that the 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 failures do seem to also they don't just you know are, they aren't just productive. They tend to write very high impact papers. They're more likely to write kind of a home run. So that suggests on one hand that they might, might you know, reach even further for success uh, and are perhaps more ambitious. Another feature we see is that they, they tend to do things that are also more applied. They, te- they seem to find uh, research topics or push on them hard enough that they go on and become used in, in biomedical settings, say, in practice of, of medicine or health. And so we, we see kind of a greater engagement, if, if you will, with, with practice and su- the success of the research and its applicability. So it's not just that they sort of do well in some abstract way. They, they do seem to, to have more of an impact uh, uh, with a kind of a greater ambition uh, and a greater sense of, sense of application. I think, you know, that we could, again, try to decode psychologically what that exactly tells us. I think it's a little hard to, to puzzle that psychological uh, those pieces, those pieces out. But I think it tells us a little bit about what people seem to be trying to do uh, when they respond uh, to failure.
0: Yeah, I loved what you said about uh, you know the the research assistants that you're hiring. You're also not looking for people with a you know litany of successes, or but you're looking for something more. Um, in in the times to come, in in your university or otherwise, do you think there'll be more emphasis on say failure resumes or? You know, like there is a uh, there's a way to answer a failure question that looks like a success, but right. it's, it's right. essentially an embellished way of answering how great you are. So um, how do you think that will evolve, if at all, in the years to come?
1: I think the research has to develop further to really give us, you know, really strong guidance, um, although this is cert- paper certainly pushes in that in that direction. And, I, you know, if you think about if you think about the evidence we see, I mean, most of what we see are success. In any venue, the, the failures get buried. They don't get the light of day. People don't talk about them. And, you know, that's a, and, you know, yet, yet so much of life is failure. And I, I think it's on researchers, it's on our, on our plate to really try to find data in empirical settings where we don't just keep seeing successes over and over again, but we actually study the failures in a widespread way. And so we can really dig that, uh, dig into that information and really learn uh, how to, how to harness that to make better evaluations of people, better evaluations of our own prospects uh, as individuals.
0: Understood. Um, You know, this this research has been fascinating, and I think your findings will go out and appeal to um, uh, hundreds and thousands of members all around the world. But I just want to switch gears, and uh, the second part of uh, this podcast will be dedicated to um, essentially your own career. Um, Can you reflect a little bit on some factors or some failures that, uh, that led to your uh, current success or position of eminence? And uh, do you think this research that you've conducted applies to your own life or the lives of people or your students that you see on a day-to-day basis?
1: Well, you're absolutely. It's a great question. And of course, you know, having done the study, it does, does force one to reflect. And I think it hopefully forces lots of people to reflect on, on their past and perhaps the failures they don't want to think about so much themselves. It's, it's painful to think about one's own failures. You know, I, I look back, you know, as a researcher, we often start projects that don't work. Uh, and they take a lot of time. Uh, and that can be very frustrating uh, in the final in the final analysis. Um, and there's always a question of, you know, do I get back? Do I go back in the ring? Do I do it one more time? I and mean, when you're frustrated with that kind of failure. Um, you know what one thing I've one thing I've seen, and I, and I' and see people get very frustrated. They get frustrated with their work. they get frustrated by a failure of others to recognize their work. Uh, and you know, it's hard. it's hard to keep going. But one thing i I sort of noticed, and this is my own casual empiricism empiricism and sort of self-reflection, is actually how important your social network is, uh, close friends and family uh, in supporting you when you have a have a tough time, you know professionally or. Or, or otherwise, I think I think when you're alone, it's so much harder to to convince yourself to keep going uh, and finding the encouragement uh, and support uh, through those uh, you respect and, and who play more mentoring roles or friends or family, I think I think actually is really, really critical.
0: No, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I just I I can't quote the research, but uh, I read somewhere that your early years of success, like your first, like what you do in your late twenties, early twenties, late twenties, early thirties, in a way sets you up for long-term success. So I think uh, uh, there's this paper I read which talked about most of the people who set up, say, billion-dollar companies or large enterprises tended to work. You know, obscenely hard in the first, say, five ten years of their career, and that hard work or that uh, unblemished uh, litany of achievements sort of set them on a path uh, for uh, for success. But your research, your empirical research, is challenging that. Um, when you were writing this paper, did you stumble upon any such findings? And uh, what prompted you to keep going and? Uh, Possibly explore one or two le- layers uh, deeper than that
1: well, let me say that you know even successful careers that look like a string of successes, I think are often the, the kind of you you're only like, it's like a mountain range where you're only you're, you're you're only taking a picture of someone when they're standing on one of the mountains and they're crossing the whole range. I think all those people, everybody, including myself, you know is in the valley quite a lot of the time between the mountains and you know, I'll tell you about another piece of work that we've done in the last year that I think is relevant to this. And we studied entrepreneurs. We had data on every every uh, entrepreneur in America in the last 10 years. We could study every single company and the demographics of the people who founded them. And we found a very surprising result, which is actually very counter to a lot of thinking, at least in the United States. We found that the, the people who started the very, very highest growth companies, they weren't actually in their 20s, which is often the view here. They weren't even in their 30s. The people who had the highest probability of starting very successful high growth companies were in middle age and beyond. In fact, the peak, the peak age was 45, age 45. And you know, to the point you made about sort of people who had these you know, earlier careers and successes, when you, when you look at it, you actually find that the people who are very successful in starting businesses um, have actually typically been in the industry in which they start the business for quite a long time. And that, that's a great assistance to their success. And so part of my read on, on that result is that it's not that you're not good at entrepreneurship when you're when you're in your 20s. I think there are people who are obviously very good at it in their 20s. What's going on though is that people are getting even better, and they're sort of they're getting better as they get older. And I, I to me I see that you know broadly um, as an accumulation of of skill and knowledge and wisdom and you know learning how to do all these tough things and how to see it through when it's tough and 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 learning about your industry and all the details that they're in. Um, so actually, I think that's also a very optimistic picture. And if you read it, and I don't necessarily read it in the context of the failure study, but the idea that you're taking up, you're just gaining a lot through experience for failure, maybe success together over time. And it's actually making you on net better as you're getting older. And I think that's also a very, a very optimistic picture. Because I think a lot of people often feel like, you know, oh, my good days are behind me. And I, I shouldn't keep going. And I think if you think about, you know, how you respond to failure or how you respond as you get older, I think, you know, these kinds of studies suggest, no, 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 you, sh- you should keep going because uh, you're actually you're actually getting better through these experiences. Uh, and, you know, you have yet to peak.
0: I think uh, about two months back, I read this really wonderful article in uh, in The Atlantic, which talked about the fact that your best job is still ahead of you, or your best career is still ahead of you. And I think the larger point that the author was making was that, as people tend to grow older, they tend to uh, take lesser chances. Like, and because they take lesser chances, they they try less. Is that they achieve or the, the, their success is uh, a, a function of chances, and they're not taking chances, so they're not succeeding. But but your research, like both this one and the other one on failure, tends to offer the motivation uh, to people um, for keep. Uh, for keep trying. And also the point that you made on social network and your community of mentors is super important because, you know, dealing with failure alone can be extremely lonely and dispiriting for, for people. Yeah. And uh, um, some research that I've stumbled upon recent, uh, recently is that uh, there's a difference between how men and women take uh, take to failure at different points in time and how they um, leverage their social network, their community to, uh, you know, to translate that failure into something else. So uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Or do you want to nudge uh, nudge our listeners to any research that you are doing or anybody else
1: uh, that they can refer to? Well, I, I, I don't want to overstate a particular mechanism or idea, but, you know, if I were just to talk, so I spent a lot of time talking to entrepreneurs. And when I say that, I think, say so going back to the point about Strong social network and and you know it's 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 two things are very common in in the conversations I have with a wide variety of people. One, there's going to be tough days, and and then how and that's that's the you just it's going to happen. It's going to happen repeatedly. And then the second question is how you keep going. And time and again, I, I'll get this. I'll get the answer. It was my my spouse, my my wife or my husband depending on the genders, and. And that how just how important that is to sort of talking you down off of quitting uh, off the cliff where you think you might be quitting. And I, 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 I it's almost countless how many stories I've heard of entrepreneurs sort of in those in those dark moments, finding that where they really, really are considering quitting, really giving up and then finding that that support that's through through the social network um, to keep going. So I think the advice, I think the advice in all of this is about learning how to keep going. And I, and I and learned that you, you, you can keep going and you should be optimistic about keep keeping going, not because you won't fail next time, but because eventually you are going to succeed and failure is just part of it. And you're probably getting better. And the second is, you know, making sure that you're not being in, not that you're not inter, over internalizing everything. I think to your point, when people have, you know, a failure. They often don't want to admit it. It's it could be embarrassing. Um, th- they could in- they could internalize everything, try to hide it to some extent. And I think you know, recognizing that everyone does it, it's okay, and it could be a it could be a path to greater success. And then and then cultivating your social network to, to you know to to advise you and to be supportive for you, and vice versa, you to them. I think can be just very valuable uh, as you navigate uh, your career and go ahead.
0: Um, wonderful. Uh, What are you currently working on? Um, What's on top of your mind? We're coming towards the close of the interview. So I just want to ask that and any parting advice for our community members uh, who are basically millennials all around the world supporting each other, building careers.
1: Well, I'm working on lots of topics, but I'll I'll give you one that's that's, uh, really, really front of mind, uh, which is actually about the role of of immigration and entrepreneurship uh, in the United States context and using empirical research to look at the role of, of, Im- of immigrants uh, in, in starting companies and, and creating jobs. And, you know, one of the things we're really finding very strongly is just how entrepreneurial people who immigrate to the United States are and how many jobs that they create. They create enormous numbers of jobs. And, you know, I think in, in some sense that that speaks to, you know, who, who does immigrate, who moves across borders? Well, they're typically risk takers, uh, people who are, you know, interested in making changes for whatever reason uh, and not surprisingly, that's correlated with the people starting companies uh, and doing those kinds of uh, higher risk things in, in their, in their professional, professional lives. Uh, but we also see enormous rewards there. So I think, you know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a picture of, of people, people making, uh, making bets, uh, pushing ahead, even though it's not going to be easy uh, and finding a lot of success at the end of the day, and and the last point, I you know I, I, I think this is important not just at a personal level. All of these things, I think it's important at a at a society level, because, you know, th- those people who who do keep going, particularly in innovative contexts like entrepreneurship or science, are really driving enormous social gain through the progress of their economy, through through the progress of technology, the progress of human health that comes from all of that, and to the extent that we are. We are losing people right we're losing talented people because they have a misconception because they think they're not good enough or or they overinterpreted a failure or they think their best is behind them and they don't have they, they can't they can't be innovative at this point in their life I think those things are, are at a social level you know really our collective loss because there are so many people who should keep going and maybe the best place to to really drive those advances for all of us uh, and I hope that you know this kind of research isn't just encouraging at you know the individual level but at the collective level it leads to more uh more uh people uh seeking uh bigger 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 ideas uh bigger ideas that can benefit us all
0: no well, that's fascinating i mean i'll just mention it briefly that uh, andrew yang i recently heard him talk about something very similar the correlation between uh immigration and entrepreneurship and that's he's the one who actually pointed me to this research of the difference between how men and women respond to failure and volunteering so he said that mm-hmm. men tend to volunteer less when they are when they get fired even though they, they have more time so when they encounter failure they tend to volunteer less women do the opposite
1: mm-hmm. so there
0: is uh, and then he goes into research more details about uh, Pointing out uh, immigration and entrepreneurship, like he does, like I, I don't know what his um, like if he draws upon empirical research like you, but I think there's definitely some synergy there. Um, Sure. So I just thought uh, of uh, you know telling you one more time that your research has been deeply inspirational to uh, to me and uh, to the larger community that I'm uh, representing here. Thank you so much to you and uh, to your co-author. I hope you keep writing. And uh, once you extend your study to sportsmen and women and maybe other fields, we should do a follow up. Uh, this particular material will go out to about 100,000 uh, millennials around the world who would, uh, who would take a lot of uh, you know, faith from your work. So
1: thank you very, very much. Well, thank you, Akash, for your interest in this work, and I will certainly continue, and it's been a great pleasure to, uh, to talk with you about uh, all these things uh, today. Thank you. Bye. Take care.